Welcome, folks. Another live stream. I'm joined by a very special guest today from the, the uh, NFL Network. Atik Iqbal joins me on the podcast. We're going to talk about the movie The Replacements. And okay, here you go. We're there. There you, there you are. Um, so first, before we start the podcast, I want to tell you that, so I think we've known each other, what, seven or eight years now? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. So before, before I met you, whenever I bump into somebody, they assume that I knew you. <laughs> so, really? So they'd be like, yeah, oh, do you know Atik? And then I would say, no, I don't know who he is. Like, oh, yeah, he works for, I think you're, you started NFL. And then and after a couple of years, I just started lying because enough people asked me about it. <laughs> I had friends that worked with the NFL Network and yeah. enough people asked me. Where I said, yeah, yeah, I know that guy. You know, I, yeah. I, I, just people insisted, well, you must know him because you're both brown working in sports. You know, yeah. I mean, that's not what they said, obviously. But that yeah, was, but they, it was implied, you know, right? You know, implication. It was, well, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just you guys are two incredibly uh, charming guys and you must know. Yeah, each other, there you, you go. Know? <laughs> um, <laughs> Memorable people. <laughs> so. Yeah, remember people. Uh, you work for the NFL Network, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But the movie we're talking about is The Replacements, which I, I watched this week. And um, it's interesting because it, it actually had a distinct a distinction among the uh, NFL audience in the sense that it was the first studio movie filmed at an actual NFL stadium. It was filmed yeah. at the Raven Stadium. Uh, the summer that that they they filmed they filmed it uh, over a, I think a four three or four week period in August at least the football scenes were filmed over August and uh, so that was pretty cool yeah. and then of course legendary Gene Hackman who obviously we all know from Hoosiers as the as the great Norman Dale he plays yeah. the head coach Jimmy McGinty in the movie and it's a role very well suited for him you know he just kind of hits the ground running you want you want to uh hear a little piece i mean this happened many years after he did the movie but he also did the the voiceover for america's game uh that when they won the super bowl um in 87 he was the vo uh, he did the voiceover he did the narration for the america's game for the washington super bowl win for which season the season that they had won the super bowl the uh, the Redskins had won the Super Bowl. The strike year. The strike year, yeah. Yeah, strike year, yeah, yeah. That was strike year, yeah, yeah. Um, it's loosely based on that, so. Yeah, no, and, and so so let's let's get into that. The '87 season um, was the strike year. I think three games were paid with replacement players, and in yep. the plot of the movie, the last four games of the year. So right away. Now, it's funny because, you know, we've been we've both been kind of in this lockdown, this shelter at home thing. And um, I've been watching. So I want kind of over the couple of weeks that we've been doing this. I've watched a couple episodes of Ken Burns Baseball. The PBS oh, app yeah. is free. I mean, we need to check that out. So I watched um, the episode. One of my favorite episodes is the one about Kurt Flood and free agency and all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm watching that episode. And then this movie obviously takes a very different tack. So the, the conceit is that the players are all greedy and they're kind of jerks and they're going to leave. And so the scabs are the heroes. Yep. And what's interesting is you make, make the point about the 87 Washington Redskins. They actually did a 30 for 30 yep. on those replacement players for the, the Redskins in 87. 
which I'm like, you know, I don't know about that because I, you would know better than I. I've heard that there were some guys who crossed the picket line 87 who later, you know, 10 years, years later, when I was starting to get into the business, were trying to get um, jobs as broadcasters and whatnot with NFL teams. And by that point, a lot of the players who had played in that were now executives or they were in the front office. And they were like, no, 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 that guy crossed the picket line. We, we're not going to have him uh, as part of the broadcast team. You know, I honestly can't speak to that. Um, but, you know, just to go back to it, the, the players that did play eventually did end up getting a Super Bowl ring based on that ESPN 30 for 30 that they did the year of the scab. Yeah. So they, they ended up getting, I, again, I can't speak to the, whether or not that was the case, but I do know that, like, those players 30 years later ended up getting rings for for the for them making it to the Super Bowl for winning those three games. Yeah. Uh, what was interesting about that that year as well, uh, growing up in New Jersey, you know, the Giants were the team and, you know, Bill Parcells didn't really coach this, the, the replacement players because he didn't think those games would count. And the yeah. Giants ended up losing losing all three replacement games, and they missed the playoffs that year. That I didn't know that. Um, that's that's interesting. I probably should have known that, but I didn't know that that he didn't actually coach those guys. Well, I mean, he he, he was physically there, but he of he course, never yeah. But I mean, X, in terms of X's count. and O's, and uh, I I mean, game planning. I don't know, you know, like how much he did. You know, if he if he himself didn't think that those games would count. Which is interesting. Why would they? Why would they play the games if they didn't think they were going to count? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, but let's get back to the movie. So obviously, Gene Hackman as the head coach, uh, Jimmy McGinty is the main character, and then they bring in Keanu Reeves um, as the quarterback character, Shane Falco, the legend. And what's interesting mm-hmm. is the, the back, his backstory is that he played at Ohio State. And was blown out in the Sugar Bowl against Florida State. So my yeah. first reaction is, wait a minute, Florida State and Ohio State wouldn't. This is, remember, this is supposed to be in '96. So it was pre-BCS. Yeah, they would not have played in the Sugar Bowl. It would have been an SEC nope. team in the Sugar Bowl. That's one thing. But that was the second time in movies that he played an Ohio State quarterback. He played, you know, uh, Johnny Utah in Point Break, who played quarterback at Ohio State. He I blew his knee out in the Rose. Yeah. So. Um, so that was pretty cool. And I guess the story was that he really didn't have any football acumen, uh, when he was filming the movie, they really had to work to kind of make him look, he's a decent athlete, but he never really played yeah. football. So they had to really work to make him look like a serviceable football player. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, he is pretty athletic. I mean, in terms of what he did with, uh, in John Wick. Like the training, the amount of training. So I imagine he was pretty coachable, you know. Um, so I guess the story obviously is between the coach McGinty and Falco. Jack Warden plays the team owner, and uh, it's interesting. He's in another sports, not a movie, but he played Buttermaker in the TV series of the Bad News Bears. So he he done sports stuff before. He yeah. kind of has that look to him, that kind of that gruff coachy look. Um, yeah. The other players are kind of all one-dimensional, right? So we have John Favreau as Bateman. He's the crazy linebacker yeah. oh who's my knocking gosh. everybody down. And then 
Orlando Jones is Franklin, who's the receiver with speed, but he can't catch, you know? Yeah. Um, we have Faison Love plays, you know, their former bodyguards from now offensive linemen. Uh, yeah. There's the running back who's a, a preacher, but he lost his chance because he blew out his, you know, he hurt his knee before he could score a touchdown. And there's the other running back who's coming in from the penitentiary. So there's a lot of interesting characters. It's kind of, but they're like one note kind of jokey characters to make up this team of misfits. Yep. That's so true. Um, it was, I was reading some comparisons to like Slapshot. They had those, like all those different characters in the hockey world. You know that are now in the baseball. Bad News Bears is kind of like that too. You have yeah. the various kids who fill the various roles. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you just you know like a, any like a hodgepodge of misfits essentially, right? This is what this movie is. Um, and then I guess the point too that I the one of the things that I thought of was like, hey, you know, you can win with any player if you have the right coaching, right? Like, you can win them with anybody. It's about team and chemistry, and that sort of gets reflected in real life, too, you know? Sometimes when you don't expect, the teams with the most talent do really well, you know? Um, they play better than a bunch of all-stars, and I think, for me, there's two examples of that, and that's the when the Pistons beat the Lakers, when they had uh, Peyton and Malone and Kobe and Shaq and whoever else it was, right? Um that was That's a right. star-studded team, and then the Pistons won because they played as a team and they bought into what um, Coach Brown had uh, instilled. And then the other one is well, more personal. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, and the other example is when I, you know, when when Tark came to Fresno State as a manager, and we had a horrible team, and he took that same team, and they ended up winning. I can't remember now, but had a really good first season under Tark and he and no and everybody said that he wouldn't be able to win with those players but great coaching you can overcome a lot you know if you have if you have players that buy in and buy into the system so i guess that's the thing that i thought of about the replacements you know like you have this thing and instead of you know having all of these egotistical players like like you previously mentioned um and egotistical and selfish whereas you can with this group of players, you can still win, right? Um, so that was the thing, one of the things I thought about with this movie. Um, it's, a, it's a great point you bring up, because the first half hour of the movie, I'm not digging it, man. I'm just like, they're scabs, and, you know, and one of the hate the cliches of sports I hate the most is, oh, play for the love of the game, you know? Yeah. Because a guy makes money doesn't mean he doesn't necessarily love the game, you know? People yeah. have realities to it, you know? Your doctor expects to be paid. Your dentist expects. Does that mean they're not they're not genuine in terms of wanting yeah. to help you or heal you? No, of course not. It's just it's it's the way of the world. So I was a little kind of turned off by that. I mean, I just watched the Kurt Flood thing, and you know, it's really kind of deep and emotional. And he's just talking about his life and how he spent all his time with this team, and he's a pretty good player, and he gets traded. But um, then we kind of get into the crux of the story with the the, the team being constructed, and they they come together. Uh, this ragtag bunch, the Washington Sentinels, trying to play, uh, trying to play with replacement players, and obviously the striking players are kind of portrayed as the villains, or so I thought. That changes as we get a little bit deeper into the movie. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, the two, so we talked about um, Keanu Reeves as Shane Falco and, and 
Hackman as Coach McGinney. Those, to me, are the most formed characters uh, in the in the film, as far as my, my thought yeah. goes. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, I mean, them being the stars. And what, one character I, I sort of, like, sort of want to mention that's actually, like, sort of underrated is the, the, the kid that plays the tight end, the deaf tight end, which I thought was really cool. To have oh, that's a, yeah, he's, he's a, great, it's a, great, it's a great character, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, know, what's I mean, the joke? What's well, the joke? Huh? What's the joke is something about him. He won't, he'll never jump offside or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Cause he can't hear it. Yep. That's exactly the joke. So for those of you who don't follow football, sometimes a quarterback will try to fool the, uh, the opposing team by, uh, you know, cadence by using his voice to, to, to fool the team. And obviously with him, that'll never happen. Cause he can't hear the voice. He's going to go on the movement of the ball. Yeah, that was interesting. And he, he plays a big part later in the movie. Um, and then we have Brooke Langdon, who I didn't realize. So when she comes on, she's conducting tryouts for the dance team. So yep. I wasn't sure if if so the dance team went on strike, too. I guess I guess the dance team wouldn't cross the picket line. Yeah. Um, so she. You know, and that's and that's the weird scene, Atik. I don't know if you remember that scene. It was like they had a bunch of people do weird dances, a bunch of women do weird dances, and they contrast it with the team getting together for their first meal and just kind of shows you it's like almost, hey, they're misfits, we're misfits too. And there's some low hanging fruit humor yep. in the oh, yeah, in the locker time. room. You <laughs> Who's your favorite? Of the of the players, who is your favorite character among the players? Oh, that's a good question. I like I like I like the kid that played the tight end. Um, I mean, obviously you like Falco because you want to root for him. Um, I actually like the kicker. I feel sympathetic for the kicker. Him. Yeah, the kicker is the most unique. Like part of this story you know he's got mob ties he's a gambler he's got issues you know and then you know towards the end I'm, i don't know who's seen this movie who hasn't obviously but like when he you know when he apologizes for missing the kick uh and and falco just bails him out you know instead instead of him actually missing the kick he bails him out with the audible i believe it is um yeah i mean it's it's a 20 it's a 20 year movie so i wouldn't worry about i don't i don't think you need to worry about spoiler alerts exactly but, right um, <laughs> yeah yeah but but it's i mean good, yeah, yeah he's a welsh welsh footballer who's got a gambling problem which i yeah. it's great i mean I, anything to do with somebody who's a degenerate gambler in a sports movie i'm, I'm in i'm in yeah man. I, I i really did like his character i forgot the name um i know he was in uh, in another movie um around the same time i think he came out the year before notting hill <laughs> He played. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, he played Hugh Jackman's roommate, crazy, crazy roommate. But um, um, yeah, he's sort of. I think in the jailhouse scene too, he plays an important part. You know, like in, in terms of bringing that team chemistry together, right? Like you have the jailhouse team, and the final, finally the team gels. We're getting in a fight with the guys at the bar that were, you know, the players that had, you know picketed or were on strike 
um, that being the moment where, you know, the team actually starts to gel, you know? Yes, I, I, absolutely. Um, the other, the other thing is, uh, uh, the, you mentioned the fight, they have this, so they, they get into a fight in the bar. So what happens is some of the players who are striking are in the bar and the quarterback Martel um, who's kind of the, you know, he's, he's the leader. So all the, all the players are considered the bad guys, but he's kind of the leader. In fact, when Shane Falco first show up, they flip his, they flip his Jeep and they write scab on his Jeep. That's kind of the first scene we see them interacting. So he's taunting the deaf tight end character that you've bought up and Falco comes and steps up and uh, sticks up for him. Yeah. That's, that's the friction right there. And so, so a brawl ensues and, and the team comes together to defend their teammates in this bar brawl. Yep. And then from then on, those players that try to mess with Falco's car stop messing with it, you know? Especially Martel's, what they do to his car. That's right. That's right. They, um, they get back at us. No, because they're coming together. So they start, that's when they start coming together as a team. And then obviously each game they play, they all get closer and Falco kind of becomes this leader. Yep. And the knock on him is that he can't win the big game. How, how many yep. times have we heard that about so many characters? And so he choked in the in the uh, in the sugar ball, and they they just never let it go uh, that he choked in the sugar ball, which is weird to me because so he was this big hot shot quarterback at Ohio State in '96, and then four years later he's out of the league. Yeah, um, I'm thinking I think of Matt Moore last year who was helping out at Hart High School in uh, in August and was starting an NFL game I think in October. Yeah, life must be. Um, so I, I guess the in, movie, that, in that in that in his Sugar Bowl, he threw five interceptions. You know, <laughs> choking like. <laughs> um. Right. So I want to I want to talk about Shane Falco's character a little bit. So this is the, the movie comes comes out I think right around the time Kurt Warner was get, was really big, and then. Yep. Uh, Any given Sunday had just come out with Willie Beeman, you know, Jamie Foxx playing Willie Beeman. Yeah. So oh, yeah. all of a sudden the backup quarterbacks were in vogue again. Yeah. You talk about the ultimate replacement, man. Becomes one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play, Kurt Warner. Hall of Fame. You know? Yeah, exactly. And do you you work with Kurt? You get a chance to work. He's an NFL Network guy, right? You he work is. With him, right? Uh, I've seen him around a few times. Um, haven't really worked with him. He's on uh, Game Day Morning, and also um, he does, I believe, some of the Thursday Night Football still. But yeah, no, I've 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 come across. I've met him a few times. He's very nice. Um, but yeah, like I never actually worked with him. Worked with him. Uh, one of the big big pluses of the movie. I was surprised they were able to pull this off. Uh, Madden and Summerall. How about that? Yes. Oh, you know? that's, oh uh, yeah. That's my favorite scene in the movie where they intercut Falco and um, her name is escaping me at the moment, but you know, and when Annabella, he goes, Annabella. yes. And, uh, Brooke Landon's character. Yeah. Yes. Brooke Landon's character. And she um, intercut it with play by play with John Madding and, uh, Oh my God! And Pat Summerall calling this play, and they intercut it with actual play footage and the kiss. And I was just—that is my—I was—I'm glad you brought that up because that is my favorite scene in the movie. 
I, yeah, that's the so, hopeless romantic in me, and I love that scene. And you know, it's cheesy, but it's like nice and well done. You know, it's a standout moment in that in that movie. You know, the play the play by play. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's well. See, so I'm a couple years older than you, so for me, I mean, that's Summerall and Madden are football, right? I mean, I, yeah, I, you exactly. know, they were they had, they had the giant game every weekend, and the yeah. scene you're referring to. So obviously, Keanu Reeves and Brooke Langdon are kind of it's the love interest. She's that he's with the head of the dance team, and he's the he's the quarterback, the handsome kind of ruffian quarterback. So obviously, we talked about his his jeep gets flipped. And so he's got to go back to his. He lives on a boat uh, in the bay in the D.C. because it's set in Washington D.C. So she gives him a ride to his boat, and there's chemistry there. And so she's closing up. She so they don't. They only get paid fifty bucks a game to dance. So she has to work at a bar during the day. Yeah. So she's working at the bar, and um, she t- invites him. Hey, this whatever the name is is like Wolfie's Bar or whatever. Come come check it out. So as she's closing it down, he comes in and he's like, oh, can I come in? And she's like, no, no, yeah, you can come. And they, they, they chat a little bit. And, yeah, there's the, the, you know, the tension is there. And then all of a sudden, here, it's Madden and Summerall. It's Madden's yeah. breaking it down just like he would, you know, a double tight end, uh, yeah. double tight end, you know, play uh, in a football game. And that, that is one of the funnier scenes in the movie. Um, but but I, I was going to say, uh, the movie takes a little bit of a turn. Because as I said, I kind of came in and I was little – you know, not turned off is a strong word, but I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, they're going to cast the athletes as the bad guys. They're going to make the scabs the heroes. And there's like yeah. a bunch of lowbrow, you know, there's a Japanese guy. And there's a bunch of lowbrow racial humor, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, here we go. Howie Deutsch, who's the director of the movie? Here we go. And then, you know, it kind of picks up after that because because Hackman is doing Hackman and him and him and Shane Falco, him and Ken, who have good chemistry on the screen. And he, I read some quotes about the movie where Reeves just talks about, just raved about working with Gene Hackman. You know, Hackman, yeah. obviously, one of the truest professionals. And then the, the game start, you start kind of following the team and understanding how these guys, the stakes for these guys, you know. And then obviously yeah. the love story is, 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 gets in there. And so the story with all these characters then kind of starts to take off because we watch this team playing these games. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's good. I mean, in, for what it is, you know, like I do, I do enjoy the way they did it. Um, I, one of the things that for me, at least, right, because doing the music is like the, the way that the music, you know, like the soundtrack is great for all the scenes that they have, especially the key scenes, you know. Um, I think, yeah. I'm trying to recall uh, in the jailhouse scene, it was, I will survive. Right. Yes. And then, and then with the kiss with, with Madden's, with Madden's um, play by play, I think it's every breath you take. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, they, they cleaned out the hits of the eighties and nineties. They really cleaned it out, man. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, you know, uh, uh, EMF unbelievables in there. Uh, for the kicker, you know, oh, he's Welsh, he's not English, you know, but uh, yeah. it's uh, it's funny stuff. Yeah, no, they 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 really they you know as you know, you need to spend money on those music rights, and yeah. they they spent the money. Give them credit, they spent the money. Yeah, definitely. I, I that was one of the things I really did like about that movie too is the soundtrack. So it's just an upbeat, fun you know movie. I, I know critics panned it. I know Bill Simmons hated it. Uh, oh, did he? But yeah. What is, what is, 
And then, um, you know, like, but, um, I think there's a review that he wrote for page two that you might be able to find online. But um, and then, you know, I guess with that thing, too, like Rotten Tomatoes has it as 41 percent on the huh. on the meter. And I don't know, I just sometimes bad movies are is are what you need. And they're like they're sort of under appreciated. I mean, you don't generally always like, have to agree with the critic to like a movie. You know, like, I was like, when you reached, when I, when you asked me, and I was like, oh, I don't know about this movie. I like this movie, but then realizing it wasn't as well liked, um, I was just, I don't know. I, I don't. I feel like for me, I like the movie. You know, you know, and it's dawned on me. Hello. There Hello? aren't a lot of, uh, yeah, there aren't a lot of great, are there, what, what do you think, there are not a lot of great football movies that have been made, I don't think. Um, Remember the Titans, in the last, like, 20 years, or just in general? I'm just saying, overall, if you compare it to boxing and baseball and basketball, oh. far more oh, yeah, movies yeah, have been made sure. about there's, that. There's, there's, not, there's not a lot. In terms of quality movies, yeah, like if you, I mean, the if long, you just rank football movies, this would be yeah. one of the better football movies, you know. I mean, Longest Yard, the original Longest Yard, always gets big, you know, good yeah. good reviews. I mean, Brian's Song is considered to be a great yeah. movie. You brought up Remember the Titans. Um, I really um, like Everybody's All American. Uh, Dennis yeah. Quaid, about thirty years came out. Um, Marshall. Any given Sunday. Yeah, we are Marshall, which is more of a true story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, any given Sunday, we are Marshall. So I guess I guess they are out there. Now that I think about it, not, the program, but, but not to the level of like a lot of baseball music, movies. There's a lot of great baseball movies, you know. Like, uh, uh, what was I just thinking of that uh, we? Oh, uh, Varsity Blues. That's a football movie. Well, there you of. go. Yeah. Well, fr- um, Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. Yeah, Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of it, uh, some others, but there's not a lot, you know. Like, if you were gonna rank. The replacements, it would probably be up there in terms of football movies. You know, I, I, a couple of lists did happen in the top ten. Um, uh, it, it, the thing is, it's kind of uneven. I think they set out to do the ma- major league of the uh, of football. You know, that's kind of the vibe I got. The big, you know major league movie, and in yeah. that movie, the owner is kind of the the villain. And, and funny, I thought Jack Warden did a great job. And I actually thought there was going to be a twist because. We'll get as we get to it. So players start as so a Martel, the main main antagonist, cross the picket line. So then I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. So now he's a he himself is a scab. So that makes him hypocrite. So I get it now. Why yeah. you know you cast him as the antagonist and you're, you're going to turn your back on, on Shane Falco's walk the other way. But when that started to happen, I thought it was oh the owner is playing these two sides against each other, and that turns out not to be the case. It just turns out that Martel is the is the is the antagonist but then it brings us to an interesting part of the movie where they've got to play the big game and they're not going to have Shane Falco the guy who's brought them to the big game he's yeah. not going to get an opportunity to play because the starting quarterback crossed the picket line and obviously the coach is against it but the owner says no he's you know, this is what I want I this is what we wanted we wanted the players to want to come back because this team has has inspired people there are a couple of scenes where you know, you, in the bar where Brooke Landon works, you see the guys watching, you know, the blue collar guys 
are watching these replacement players and they're starting to love this team and this team's kind of starting to take on an identity of its own. Yeah. More relatable, right? More personable. I think I think to the point of like you brought up earlier, playing for the love of the game and actually loving the game. Um and that that definitely I think is what resonates with the 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 fans of the team in the movie. Is that like there's a there's a there's a joyness that comes through when they're playing, you know, and sometimes I guess if if you're playing for other reasons, that may not always come through and it might be a little more difficult or you may feel entitled. And I think that's the thing, too. Right. These guys don't feel entitled to play this game. Right. They're they're afterthoughts, you know, and that, and that's the thing about this movie that I like. These guys are afterthoughts forgotten and they have this opportunity to do something and it, however brief it may be it's it's something it's it's and it, it'll last you know they can say that they well, did something see and that and that's where it turns for me Atik, is that okay this movie's about second chances you know yeah. and we've all had that i was thinking about mine the other day we've all had that opportunity that we wish we had a second shot at to do and yeah. it, it, that's why people were able to relate to it you know and um yeah i was and the other thing is so we find out that now, I was upset. Okay, you're going to make the, the the players oh because they're rich and there's that and the other. I don't know if I buy that narrative, but what they end up showing is that Martell, who's the quarterback and ends up being he's the antagonist in the movie, he's also a bad guy in the locker room. So he, yeah. he ends up being kind of a locker room cancer. And it would have been better to say, okay, yeah, these guys are on strike, but we need the locker room to be together, not like the you know the the, the normal locker room. And so in the big game against Dallas, um, they're going to start Martell. And obviously all these guys have come up playing with Shane Falco. And although Martell probably is more talented, there's the idea of a quarterback as the leader of a team, you know. And you, you work in football. You understand that. Sometimes, you know, how many guys have we seen drafted that, I mean, have rocket arms and just all the talent, but they yeah. can't seem to get it done in the NFL? And then a guy like Russell Wilson comes in, who like talked about an afterthought, and all of a sudden he's not only one of the best quarterbacks in the league, he's leading his team to Super Bowls. It's hard, right? And and Martell alludes to it at the half at during the halftime of that game. The the reporter asks him, and he and he with the newspaper does the heart thing, and you're like, you know, that's true. Like heart, like that. I think I think hard working overcome a lot of things. I personally believe this for myself too. Is that uh, I may not be the most talented or the smartest, most creative, but I do believe in my hard, my my hard work. And I think, and I read a quote many, many years ago when I was a kid: "Hard work creates its own talent." And I, I certainly believe that. So um, I think, I think that's what drives him, right? Heart. And what does that come from, right? Heart. That's hard. Hard work comes from having heart. Like there's something I, I, that, you know there's there's no, no absolutely there's no way to quantify that or qualify that or anything right there's that's not that's an intangible that can't really be measured um but i really like yeah like you were saying like that's what it's about like you want someone that can bring the group together as opposed to like what was going on in the regular season you don't want a cancer in the locker room especially in a situation like that I, it's funny you bring that up i always think fans tend to overrate intangibles but, you know, going on like 12 years of covering teams day to day to day, it, it's it's there. You know, they're just yeah. certain guys, you know, they call it in, in like politics or in, in entertainment, they call it the it factor. They're yeah. just certain guys 
were so competitive. And, you, and there's always a story behind it, you know. It's they, they grew up, they had older brothers they had to fight with, you know. And, you know, when you have three athletic brothers, the youngest one is always the best because yeah. they always have to fight against the other, you know, the other two for the most part. And so there's something there. And that's that's kind of the Hollywood meeting. You talk about the romanticism. That's part of the romanticism about it is um, that a guy who's obviously got talent but needs to kind of push the talent and be able to push himself. And ultimately, you know, it's, you know, all art ultimately turns – it's about truth, right? Like can yeah. you face your own truth and then go forward with it? And that's kind of what the, you know, Keanu Reeves – I'm putting Aristotle in a Howie Deutsch movie. But that is how – that's Shane Falco's journey is ultimately – it's not about – the fact that he blew, you know, they lost by 40 points in the Sugar Bowl. It's about himself. It's about him accepting himself. And that's the, exactly. the opening scene. He's on the in the marina and he, he goes down and picks up the, the football trophy. Uh, you know, maybe he threw it there. We don't know how it got there. But he scoops up the football trophy off the bottom of the sea. And, you know, we kind of gives us an idea of, you know, this guy's determination. And I think that's you mentioned it earlier about coaching and what it is about Gene Hackman. He's just so perfectly cast in the role. And his character is just, hey, gentlemen, this is about you guys. This is about what you guys need to do. And I, I had coaches tell me that, and it, it, it's so true. They say, you know, we because they do all the scouting and all that stuff. They said, ultimately, we need to perform to the level that we're capable of performing to, and then everything else will take care of itself. Yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me of the line from the movie um, – where I might have to paraphrase this. I think McGinty asks Falco, what's the difference between winners and losers? <laughs> and I think Falco says the score. Yeah. So yeah. classic, you know, but. Well, then um, his, speech, his speech at the end, you know, he's like, yes, hey, man, the, I wish huddle, I could say something. Right. He's just being real, right? Yes, exactly. Hard on the sleeve. That's the thing, too. Like, that's also relatable, right? Like, for me, that's very relatable. Like, just lay it all on the line. Your heart is on your sleeve and, you know, like win, lose or hell, hell or high water, you're going to do this, you know, like, and for them, there was no tomorrow, right? Like it's all or nothing. That's, that to me is, players are coming know, back. This is, this is your final hurrah and you go, got to yeah. go get it. Um, one scene is earlier in the movie. We forgot to talk about it is. They had the the, uh, the they have a sumo wrestler who's one of their offensive linemen. Yeah. And he's eating he's eating eggs, you know, like it's like I think it's a wink to Cool Hand Luke, and then he vomits on the field. And that that yeah. happened. They filmed that scene. It was years before the McNabb Super Bowl, right? And yeah. The McNabb Super Bowl came a couple years later, so they kind of pre predated the, uh, the the vomiting. Although they did that in um, any given Sunday too. Willie Beeman vomits in every oh, given yeah, Sunday. Oh yeah, Willie Beeman. They're like, uh oh, he's in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. That movie too. But I mean, what happened to me is I went from I I don't think I liked it as much as you, but I went from like, oh man, I got to sit through this for two hours to I get it. You know, it's just it's a movie about second chances all across the board. Even with you know, we find out Brooke Langton's character, you know, her dad owned the bar, and it was all about his, her dad was all about football. It was all about yeah. the Sentinels. They were his team. You know. Um, obviously based on probably Washington, the Redskins. I think the writer conceived the uh, the, the movie, as you mentioned, in the 87 strike. Um, but it, it ends up being, it has it has that heart. You know, we talk about having heart in the, in the movie, but uh, Gene Hackman's character, McGinty, talks about the difference between Falco and Martell is that he has heart. 
Um, yeah. The movie does have a, a little bit of heart, and you can feel that whether, although maybe the execution isn't, you know, never going to be confused with Goodfellas, it does nope. come from a certain place to feel good sports movie that we've kind of grown accustomed to seeing with a little bit of a different twist, some kind of really offbeat and unique characters. For sure. And and not only that, though, to your point, though, like every time it's on, I'm going to watch it. Like there is there is this like, you know, for me, it is good. Like it is relatable. And I'm like, every time it's on, I'm like finding myself watching it. Yeah, it's going to be on the next couple days. Paramount Channel and CMT are going to air it. So you'll be able to watch it coming up in the next couple, like this next week, I guess. It's coming on. Um, What are your, I want want to talk to you about some other stuff, but give me your final thoughts on the the replacements. I, I really do enjoy this movie. I know a lot of, like I said, like I mentioned it, a lot of people didn't like it, but I do like it. I, I like, I, and like, for me, the the romantic part of it too with uh, Brooke Landon's character is I like that part too, right? It's it's I don't know. For me, I don't know. I'm a hopeless romantic, so I like that. I like that he gets the girl. I like that he gets his chance. He gets redemption. You know, he gets his sent. I mean, yeah, he's gonna go back to being you know cleaning boats, but you know when he got his second shot, and all those guys got their second shot, they made the best of it, right? Everybody well, we all, that's, 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 that's what we all want, right? We all have those moments where we wish we could get that second chance, but you don't always get Absolutely. that second chance in life. Um, and I, you know, yeah, for me, like, I've always, like, for me, myself, personally, like, I'm always looking for, like, I always feel like I'm waiting for that opportunity, right? Like, I still haven't gotten my opportunity, and I'm always striving for that, trying to do the best I can, you know? Like, and I think that, again, it relates to you, it depends on your personality, so, like, I do wear my heart on my sleeves, so that's relatable, you know, I do, I do find that like sometimes, you know, like ta- like heart overcomes a lot. You know, just having sheer like will, I guess, to do something or get through something, or you know, I guess relating it back to me, like for me, like a lot of people said I wouldn't work in this business. You know, like especially amongst our community, they used to make fun yeah. of me. That's why my handle is Sports Guy Seven Eight Six. You know, like. They're like, oh, look at that Indian sports guy, right? Like, but I always believe that right. I want this is what I want to do, you right. know. And it wasn't an easy road by any means. Like, I I tell young people now, like my twenties, I I just live paycheck to paycheck and just try to survive. Thirties, establish myself, and now in my forties, have a modicum of uh, having a little bit of success, you know. And the fruits of my labor are starting to pay off now. So. I don't know. Like, I, feel you. I think I, feel I think a part you. of it too, yeah. right? Martel, if you if you think about it in terms of um, Falco, the reason that McGinty went back to him is that like this kid had the ability. There was something there in the first place to go get him. You know, right? Like yeah, right. it had been four yeah. years. There's there's an intangible that McGinty saw in him that he's like, yeah, this kid can win for us, right? And that's what sometimes that's all you need. You need someone to believe in you. And I've right. been very blessed that I've had, excuse me, I just quit. Uh, I, I've been very blessed that I've had those people in my life to get me to the place that I've gotten, you know? Like, and, and, oh, yeah. You know, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but like, just, I've had amazing women that have helped me get to this place, you know, and amazing people that have supported me, you know? And, yeah. and that speaks volumes. And sometimes you do need a coach McGinty to believe in yeah. you, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh, That's oh, relatable too. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, no, it, so, it, it, and it's funny because that it, you know we you talk about faith and humility, you know, are so important yeah. because they they offset they offset panic and despair. And it's funny. I'll go back to a point you brought up of you know when you know the 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 difficulty isn't failure. The difficulty is success. You know because yeah. if you never recognize that success. And it could be a small thing, you know, and we're learning that now in this situation we're in right now. I remember a couple of years ago, one of the local media columnists put me on a top 10 list, you know, and he said something like, oh, you know, his next, you know, the next step is the big step. Right. But I'm thinking to myself, no matter what that step is, like as big as it is, I'm always going to try to want to go more because it's not about, you know, the line from Wall Street. It's not about how many yachts you can water ski behind. But it's yeah. really about just proving things to yourself. And I think this movie, of, of all the flaws in this movie, that's one of the things it gets right. You know, it's about a redemption. Not really about redemption. It's just really about understanding, hey, this is who I am and this is what I'm capable of doing. And let's get that, you know, let's get to the top of, of the mountain just being who I am. You know, like all these guys, you know, like Favreau's character is he's, he's crazy insane at the beginning of the movie and he's crazy insane at the end of the movie. But he's accomplished something, you know, and there's a and, great scene where the running back who comes in, he's a, he's a preacher with a holy, yeah. the holy, he holds a holy Bible up when they're throwing eggs at him. And he, he lost his career. He blew his knee out when he was younger, but he never scored a touchdown. And we have yeah. that great scene in the game against Dallas where his knee gets taken out again, but this time he scores. Yeah. So it's not about making a million bucks. It's just, he just wants to get into the end zone and he finally is able to get into the end zone. And, validation right it's about validation and and to your point redemption but a lot of it is like being validated right like we all want validation and however small it may be or you know in that instance like he's validated and he's in his own eyes he may have redeemed himself because he scored when it mattered yeah <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me let me let me let me shift gears you said you take some out of your sleeve a little bit about you so central valley kid right yeah, I grew up in a little town right outside of Fresno called Reedley. Went to Fresno State. That was my school, though. Like, I grew up watching them on local TV and, uh, like, a huge football fan. Um, so, yeah, you know, I went to Fresno State, and that's where I sort of, like, started. It all started for me. But, yeah, you, you I'm, I'm a Valley Pat kid. Hill, a, Pat Hill, you worked for Pat Hill and Star, and I and did. Star right? I did. I'm very, I, I suppose, and I also actually worked for uh, for the baseball team. I actually worked for the athletic department in mm-hmm. in Hull, but I also did work for the baseball team. Did a lot of stuff. But I three great coaches: Pat Hill, Jerry Tarkanian, and uh, Bob Bennett, Hall of Famers in That's my right. opinion. I mean, I've been very blessed. I learned a lot from each of them. Um, mainly Tarkanian. He got there. Bennett, after, he, he got there after you left, I think. But Leffler's my guy. Yeah, I've known Paul a long my time. Guy. Yeah. Paul actually yeah. used to hire me. Paul and George, this uh, George Takata, who was a sports anchor, he was the lead, uh, and Paul was the weekend guy. And on weekends, they would let me do these uh, post-game interviews for a bunch of events. So that's how I sort of started. Like I'd go out, they cover high school football, write down time codes, and then we had a camera guy, and they would send send him out to Fresno State, and they'd be like, "Hey, go find a T. He'll do the interviews for you." So I remember that was my first taste of it, but it was never my intention to. You know, I always wanted to work in sports in some form or fashion, but sports TV was not even a, a thing. But, you know, 
it was it was all predestined and i believe in that so like it, it it's led me to some incredible moments in my life um got to meet muhammad ali and um it you know another great thing to happen you know uh meeting people of significance and that have played an important part in my life um yeah i um so so you go to fresno now did, were you were you always a football guy like because you're with the nfl network now what was your when you were a kid you know 22 year old kid at fresno state yeah i love football no doubt but i mean i wasn't playing i wasn't ever gonna play i'm short man um but basketball is my thing i loved i I loved playing i was i i could not shoot basketball to save my life but when i became a manager for tark i learned how to shoot learned how to play defense like a legit like learned like the um, uh, the mechanics and the I'm, I'm, I won't ever say that I'm really good at the X's and O's, but I did learn more of it. But I did, like, improve my own, like, understanding of basketball. And football I've always loved. And I had a chance to work with the team and I had a chance to, work, you know, sit with the coaches. And um, and they taught me, you know, we had a – he was he's with the C- Seattle Seahawks now, Jethro Franklin. I would sit in his office sometimes and he'd break down tape and show me, like, you know, like, okay, this is what we're going to do against this – like just how you know broke down defenses for me and offenses, and I'd sit in his office and and watch him do that, and he'd teach me. So, so what I happened after? Love, what happened after Fresno State? After Fresno, after I officially graduated, I I was lucky and I ended up landing at the NFL Network in 2006. But in between, like while it was taking me a while to get my degree, I worked for CBS Sports and Fox Sports as a runner statistician stage manage and that was you know all those things that i did helped me land at the nfl because people saw like my commitment like i would drive from fresno to san diego to san francisco put myself up um just for the opportunity you know like my first game was week two of the 2002 nfl season it was texans versus chargers and i drove down to san diego to work that game and then there was a production manager there that hired me. They're like, hey, we're back next week. You wanna, uh, do you want to work the game next week? I'm like, sure. I mean, I wasn't getting paid anything in those times, like nothing. It was like $75 a day. Yeah, yeah. So I'd yeah. drive 400 but, I mean, miles. You, so, you were, but you, so you were like going to school this whole time, and then you were yeah, just hustling I, on the side. Hustle on the side. But I was basically just going to school part-time, just trying to make it, you know? Yeah, no, 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 that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what it, I mean. I'm not going. To, it's like that's people don't get is you're you're picking up every gig you can possibly pick up just yeah. to fill the time, make the relationships. You know exactly, and, and that's the thing too. And you brought up a great point right there: relationships as opposed to like networking and stuff, right? Building relationships that's so important in this business. Um, I mean, they say they say in business, you're the sum of the five people you talk to most, you know. Yeah. And, and what I found funny is, you know, and I don't know if your experience might be different than mine, but you, you start off and it's all about, OK, where do I find? You know, I see now it's with social media. It's crazy because people will post on Facebook. You know, there are all these groups for like broadcasters and production people. Hey, oh, yeah. I just graduated from, you know. Fresno State, can anybody give me a job? And I just like, you know, it's kind of it's kind of funny. It's like, man, if you're asking after you graduated, 
you know, it's like the line of about John Calipari when uh, Andy Katz talking about somebody asked him, hey, how can I get a hold of World, World Wide West? Because he was trying to recruit Derrick Rose. And, yeah. and Andy Katz told him, if you don't know World Wide West right now, you ain't getting Derrick Rose. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. And so it's the same thing. And I was always told that, you know, we were always told, hey, don't be looking for a job your senior year. You got to have that lined up based on relationships that you, you've kind of put Absolutely. in through internships, this, that, and the other thing. Absolutely. Um, and I but who was your guy who got you? So you go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was going to say, I I was mean, like, that's absolutely who was your, your point. guy? Um, the person that got me to the NFL Network, his name is Fred Johnson. He had worked for CBS Sports and he was an AD. And he would see like me driving all over the state, even to Arizona. And he's the one that vouched for me. He he got a job at the NFL Network. I reached out to him. He's like, hey, I have this, uh, this name of this woman. Email her. I emailed her. And then within 48 hours, I got hired. I got a 10-minute conversation with this gentleman named Andrew Villa, who's no longer there, but I believe he's at ESPN now. And I had a 10-minute conversation. I didn't think anything of it. And I got a call in the afternoons from New York saying, Hey, we'd like to offer you a position. And that's how it started. And, you know, it wasn't easy awesome. by any means. But, yeah, I mean, I'm blessed. I mean, obviously, it is, has not been an easy road. You know, there's been there's been trials and tribulations. But I've always believed, you know, like I, I'm a big believer in destiny or whatever. I, I believe that I was meant to be there. So, um, but, and so, I, you know. So, yeah. so you're telling but, me, so you start. Started with them in 2002, and you didn't get hired till 2008. So were you a no, freelancer no, in between? NFL 2006, okay. NFL Network. Uh, I've started as a runner, and um, in 2002, just on a whim, man. Like, actually, my love for UCLA basketball. I tell people my love for UCLA basketball is what got me into sports broadcasting, because I wanted to see them play in the NCAA tournament in the Sweet 16 in. Um, in San Jose, and that's how it started. And I, I what year? What year was that? 2002. Okay. And I reached out, um, I reached out to somebody that I had I had met uh, working for the Fresno Grizzlies. I, so a little bit of backstory as well. I used to work for the Fresno Grizzlies um, baseball team as a press assistant through the university, Fresno State University, right? So I met a kid who is an intern from the University of Arizona. I lived in Fresno. We became friends. Um, his name is Darren Moridian. And so we became fast friends. And so I think that was 99, 98, 99. And so every year he'd ask me, hey, he'd say, hey, I'm working the tournament for CBS. You want to come out and work? I'm like, no, no, I can't. But then when I was done being a manager, I reached out to him. And said, hey, I'm free. I would love to work the tournament in San Jose. He gave me an, an, the email of a woman named Linda Leffler. And she, we basically did an email interview. And then she asked me who I knew. And she's like, okay, cool. And then I got hired for that. That was March of 2002. And then fast forward to the beginning of the NFL season, I reached out again. and said, hey, I'm interested in working this game. And really, the only reason I wanted to go to work that game was because I wanted to to see uh, David Carr play for the Texans, right? Uh, so, because, you know, the week before they beat the Cowboys in their season opener, franchise opener, I guess you could say. 
And so that's how it started, you know, right place, right time, knowing the right people and having a relationship with, with a, with somebody that would vouch for you. And that's the thing, building relationship with people. That's the most important thing about this business. Oftentimes you don't get the job because of your resume or whatnot. It's because of who you know. And I always tell people who you know will get you your job. What you know will allow you to keep it. I I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, it'll allow you to do whatever you want to do, you know, but the relationship is what is honestly is what's going to get you to where you need to get to. And having those, but people, some people don't have that foresight, you know, like, you know, I've met so many people like you have, for me, every gig I did was an opportunity to prove myself so I could get that next opportunity to prove myself, right. you know, like each yeah. gig, I, I, even now, like if someone gives me an opportunity, I'm going to bust my butt because I want to get hired again and I want to do something more, you know, like I want someone to be like, Hey, let's hire this kid. And I've been blessed that. I've been able to do that. Like people are like, oh yeah, Teak's great. Go hire him. Um, there are a few instances where I've, I've sort of like not, you know, I've, I've, I've faltered. Um, but I think the sum of what I've done is speaks much more loudly than those few instances where I didn't live up to my own expectations. So, I mean, man, you're, you're the, you're the Sebastian Janikowski of that network because people have <laughs> moved in and out of there. And yeah. you, you know, I didn't realize you've been there since 06. That's, I mean, yeah. man, you, so, I know. like, it, it, people cycle through there. Yeah, they do. Uh, I've been very blessed. You know, there's, there's, it's, it hasn't been easy, but I've been blessed, you know? Like, uh, just, just work hard. That's all I can do, you know? Just do my job and do it to the best of my ability. That's all, that's all one can do, you know? Like, that's, that's all I can say, man. Like, uh, Guzzle is like, I'm no, no, just blessed. I, I, I feel you. Like, I feel like I'm I, very, I, very blessed. There's, you know, things, things didn't seem as, you know, like, there were times where I was just like unsure of myself, you know, unsure of that. But I, I just was like, all right, I'm just going to keep working hard. And it took a long time, but it, things started to happen, you know, like, I, if no one else is going to believe in you, you got to believe in yourself. Even, and that's, you know, you're going to be your own you know, best supporter, you can be your own worst critic. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's you, you gotta, you have to make the effort. You have to put in the work, you have to put in the time, you got to build the relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I, relating to what you had said, this, I got a, I got a call out of the blue this fall about a job that I was really excited about. I'm like, wow, this, this, is a, this is a big step. And ultimately I didn't end up getting it. Yeah. And, you know, of course, you're disappointed, you're angry, but I realized that there's so much that's out of your control to go back to what you said about you got to just own, you got to just do the work. You know, it's really about the work. Yeah. And, you know, so okay, I didn't get that gig. That doesn't mean that I have a game to call tomorrow. I can't slack off on that. I still got to go do that. You yeah, know, there's exactly. no time for, for I very early in my career, when I was an intern, guy told me, you know, if you want to be on the air, be on the air. But just remember, you're going to be judged by what goes out over the air. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like they, you know, and it's funny because I now that I'm older, I tell myself, see myself telling other people that same thing in different ways. You know, yeah. uh, I got a chance at CSUN, you know, they have Ross Porter do the baseball games. Yeah. So one of the basketball interns that I work with, he was going to be Ross's engineer. And so he came to me and I help out, do some of the stuff and he needed a live read. So we do a bunch of live reads on the air 
for the CSUN basketball and baseball games. So I gave him the live reads, you know, and said, you got to make sure Ross does these live reads, blah, 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 blah. And it just, it was a mess. It was the first game and nobody kind of knew what was going on. Everything's going crazy. And the sponsor called and said, Hey, we didn't get our live reads, you know? So I called this young man up. I said, dude, what's the, what's the haps here? He's like, Oh, but he, I said, I get it, but you got to remember something in that situation. Nobody's going to blame Ross Porter. Ross Porter is a hall of famer. You're going to be the one that's blamed. So you got to just figure out a way to make sure those reads get done. Otherwise, you know, whatever. Is, is it a huge deal? No, of course not. But it, what you said, if people are watching that potentially could hire you, they're not going to put that on the guy in the booth. They're going to put that on you. So make sure that you get that stuff done, you know? Yeah. And, Especially uh, if you're young and starting out. I, I feel season. what you're saying. Yeah. You know, you got you to gotta just do it. And every, every opportunity is an opportunity to prove yourself. That's that's how you should look at it, especially if you want to if you want to have longevity in this business, you know. Um, and yeah, you know, I sometimes I don't have the most glamorous job, but, you know, I, I'll do the job because that's why they hired me to do it. Um, so right you know, now, you will get what? your shot. I mean, you know, it, and I'm also a big believer in, you know, having finding success late in life. I read a quote um, and I love people have uh, referred to it over the years or referenced have finding success late in life you know we all sort of find find our own time timing right for for me and i believe that for myself i read a i read a quote in uh i can't remember now but it was by dame judy dench and she she talked about like she knew she was going to have success late in life you know and she found success in her 40s and 50s and you know and and Alan Rickman, I believe, said the same thing. Like we all we all sort of have our own timetable. You know, nothing is nothing's not possible. I guess you know. I I have a friend who's uh, who's uh, a bit of a gambler, and he says, you know, a lot of people can cash their chips at 27, right? But he yeah. said, if you're if you're doing what you want to do at 47, you can do it for another 20 years. Isn't that better? Than doing something you don't want to do for 40 years, you know. Yeah. And he's he's you know he's just one of these guys. He just looks at odds. He never goes about oh this team's better than that team. Like what do the numbers tell me? You know. Okay, this is a road team that's 11 point favorite. No, that's not going to work. But you know that's how he makes his decisions. So it's really interesting to hear it summed up that way. It's like yeah you, know, you know you know if you're going to live to to 80, and you you find success at 50, you can still do that for 20 years. You know, yeah. Um, so, I, you know, it takes a so, long time sometimes uh, for us, you know, and uh, I'm Jay, sure you, you know, you'll get that opportunity. You, you know, you, you know, you just make the best of, of situations like in this situation, you're doing the podcast, which is great. You know, um, if you well, and this I, is what I, I tell I young I, people, too, is like, don't yeah. use this time to be idle, too. Like, I've, you know, when when we cycle people in and out like hey use that time to like learn a skill or or do something you know like better yourself you know like don't don't just wait for that next call you know like improve yourself and i always i'm i'm, I'm trying to do that myself you know it's hard but um well i think the, the, the thing i think young people understand that i think young people understand that hey i gotta be able to do everything you know oh I yeah, think yeah sometimes you know, guys like who are at our level, they get in the business like, oh, why do I need to learn this? Why do I need to learn that? 
I remember I had a great conversation with uh, Jim Alexander, who's a columnist for many years at the Riverside Press Enterprise, and he works for the OC Register, and he, he's been a writer literally longer than I've been alive. And, you know, coming into the social media was very tough for him, but he, he knew what was happening in newspapers. Like, you know what? I knew that newspapers were kind of going to be in trouble, and I knew – and now he of, – of the Southern California News Group, I think he's one of a handful – of full-time employees because he does the whole thing. You know, he covers events, he files two columns a week, he does the social media stuff, which a lot of the older guys didn't want to do, you know? Yeah. And so that sometimes is like you were talking about, hey, learn something, you know, learn learn whatever you can because you never know when you're going to be able to use it. But yeah. I know you, you got to go. Before I let you go, give me what's, so what's the, what's the end game for a guy like you? You've been established the NFL Network, you're their top music producer right now. Oh, no, not I know, coordinator. You know, I know you, uh, not, not oh, sorry. I don't want to get you talking. No, no, produce coordinator. Um, uh, you know, like, it's just open-ended, you know? Like, I I just sort of go with the flow and, you know, take opportunities as they come. And um, just still, like, there's still growth to be done or had at the network. So, like, you know, I'm just blessed and just trying to learn as much as possible. I have a great manager, Rick. Um, and so like learning how to be a manager and just trying to, you know, again, like we've talked about, like just grow, you know, learn skill sets. Um, I don't, that's a good question. What the end goal is. I haven't given it much. I still, you know, it's, it's funny. It reminds me, I have a friend, her husband and wife, they work at Penn state and I ran into them after, or not ran into them. I had, dinner with them sort of uh, after Penn State had lost the Rose Bowl a few years ago and they asked me like what is the one thing that you know you've been in the business for a long time what is the one thing that you're sort of surprised by and the fact that I still love sports I still love sports you know I'm a, I'm a sports but, uh, guy through and through so yeah you know I'm with you I'm with you if I'm so having a bad, as for bad my, day I, you I, know yeah. I I haven't given it much thought I I just try to take it day by day there's interests i have definitely there's there's interests personal interests and professional interests i do have and i those are things that i will always explore and see if it's a possibility and i will you know like i'm very thankful for you for this opportunity i've never been on a podcast hopefully i didn't embarrass myself too much um no great job but, we'll have to do it again we'll have to do it again yeah no i appreciate that thank you for the opportunity took, i'm yeah. i'm very grateful for people giving me a chance to do things and i've been blessed because I get to do some amazing things and meet amazing people. And, um, I, you know, it's this career has brought me some amazing things, you know, like um, meeting Muhammad Ali, finding my North Star. These things are important. And, you know, just having that, I'm blessed, you know, like at the end of the day, that's how I, I thank God for everything every day. And, you know, you, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, so, you still doing some traveling, right? Are you doing? You travel during the season. Obviously, there's no season right now. But no, yeah, if, I did. Yeah, they, like, for sure. But are we gonna have a draft in LA. Sorry. What are your thoughts on the draft coming up? It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be virtual, right? Or virtual draft coming out of the commissioner's basement. Uh, it, yeah. it it harkens back to the old days of of when they used to do yeah. the draft, and I want it when it wasn't a big deal. You know. We'll see. Well, hey. I'm excited, though. I mean, you know, like, I I generally like this time of year, like the draft. But for me, 
the most exciting part of the off season is when the schedule is released. And I'm a okay. like that was the day that I looked forward to more than anything was when the NFL schedule was released. And that's that to me was my favorite day of the off season. So, but yeah, we'll see what happens with the draft. You know, um, there's some big questions hanging in the air. What are the Patriots going to do? Um, you know, will they draft a quarterback? What happens to, you know, Jamarcus? Or, is that right? Am I saying his name right? <laughs> um, no, not Jamarcus. What is his name? Oh, my God. What is wrong with me? Jameis Winston. Oh, my God. Jameis. Jameis. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. Jamarcus. Yeah, yeah. Where the hell Famous. did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Famous Jameis. Yeah. Where's he going to end up? Uh, yeah. No. end up with the Patriots. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that would be ideal, right? Like Patriots and, and Buccaneers in the Super Bowl in Tampa? There you go. Uh, I don't know. What, do you, what hey, are your thoughts? Like, you know. Um, I, honestly, I, I, I just I, – I'm a Jets fan, so I, I, I'm happy to oh, have man, Brady out of the division. I haven't looked at. I haven't really looked at the. Uh, I've really, you know because I've been so focused on basketball and, and baseball. I haven't really had a chance. To, I mean, the draft usually is when I kind of sit down. Like, all right, I know the Jets need to draft a lineman and 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 some receivers, but uh, that's about it at this point. I really. I, I'm interested to see where Cam Newton ends up. Yeah, that, that's oh, something yeah, interesting yeah. for me. Um, um, but uh, no, I, I want to thank you for coming on. We'll do it again for sure. We'll do it again yeah. for sure. I appreciate your time. Thank and, you. No, I'm uh, grateful Atika for the opportunity. Atika the music coordinator for the NFL Network. If you're hanging out in Culver City, you can see him out and about. I got to yeah. say, big up. You have some great food shots on Instagram. Um, yeah, I'm a big foodie. Those, those usually annoy me, but you have some great – the diversity is amazing, you know? Yeah. So, well, uh, if, you, if you follow me, you'll see a lot, of, uh, a lot of concerts. I used to go to a lot of concerts, too. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I love food. Actually, had I not landed at the NFL network, I would have gone to culinary school. That's how much I love food. Oh, well, okay. All right. Yeah. I've rediscovered my kitchen the last six weeks. So yeah, no, I've sort of done that more, uh, more now. I've been cooking more. Um, so yeah, I love, I love food. I love cooking. So it's, you know, if you love food, if you love concerts, if you love random sunsets, you can follow me. Yeah, but at SportsGuy786, he does great uh, customer service work, too, on that uh, account. Also on Instagram, he is the music coordinator for the NFL Network. He is a Fresno State proud bulldog. He is a hopeless yeah. romantic. And Tika Paul, thanks for joining us, brother. Thank you so much, Reza. I appreciate it. Thank you.